We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. of the mailbag we're not gonna waste any time we're gonna get right into it so Fachi question 12 comes from Dalton Chubb he said do you think we'll make any trades at the start of free agency oh, I very much do as it stand right now you know 12 guys under contract before the draft you bring in Jarris Walker Ben Shepard okay now you're up to 14 you have about 32 million dollars in cap space what you're just gonna bring in one guy to fill up the 15-man roster it just feels like we need to consolidate a bit and before that CBA kicks in on uh, July 1st, we're uh, the next couple of days, I do think there's going to be some action between some teams. The Pacers already made three trades leading up to the draft. I think they might be looking to make a fourth. Yeah, I would just say this. I think we look to make trades. Uh, to me, there is much more available talent via trade than free agency this year. I feel like this free agency class has got some interesting names in it, but it's not you know moving the needle whatsoever for the guys you're wanting to bring in. So, I think it's going to be easier uh, to get players that way as well. I think the Pacers have always been more of the trade avenue versus the free agency signing guys avenue. So, yeah, they might get somebody on like that, you know, second tier, third tier players. But in terms of trying to land someone that you feel really good about, especially if they're trying to win big, I think you got to go trade Fudge. I think so. That's just, look, KP has a history of coming out on top in these deals. And I just feel like, let's just keep it going. I mean, there's always a... So it's going to be like a, hey, the Pacers trade, you know, cash for TJ Warren and pick 32. Or, you know, when we flipped Oladipo and got Karis LeVert and just and, and that pick from the Cavs or just flipping Brogdon. Look, Brogdon, hey, good year. But you know what? We got that pick. We turned that pick into a, a, a first round pick, Aaron Neesmith. So there's just a history of deals that we've come out on top. And I think that that's where the Pacers feel comfortable. That's where we're going to keep it going. All right, let's keep it going. Fachi, question number 13. PDP, he said, you guys slotting Jarris at the three or the four spot? 
Yeah, I mean, if he starts, I think he's a four. I think right now he's a four that can play a small ball five. Um, I don't envision him as a three right now, Fachi, but I don't. we have plenty of wings guards who can play the two to three, so that's kind of why I see him as that power forward moving forward. Um, he might be able to guard some threes. I will have to see how he does against ones and twos in the NBA, but yeah, he could probably guard you know down in terms of like quicker players, but I, I think that he is very much a four that can guard fives and maybe guard some perimeter guys, but we'll have to see. I mean, he's pretty athletic. If you watch some of the IMG tapes and some of the highlights, you know, I, I think what I'm excited most about was one of the answers he said to John uh, JMV on the radio. He basically said, yeah, he said, like, what I'm going to tell Pacer fans is like, yeah, get ready for some highlights. So I'm like, ooh, could we maybe see a Tyrese Halliburton alley-oop to Jairus Walker? That would be pretty nice. Oh, I'd love to see that. Uh, in my opinion, you know, he's a four. Sure, it's posi- positionless basketball these days to an extent. And yeah, he is, you know, a bit undersized, six, seven, six, eight, depending on which, which, you know, what day he wakes up on. But I think at this point he's athletic enough where, you know, he could play some three, but I see him as a four, if not small ball five compared to saying, oh, could this guy play, you know, stick him at the three long-term? No, absolutely not. He's a four. All right. Question number 14 comes from DJ Davis, faithful sender ender of questions. Uh, Uh, He said, most realistic free agents or trades at small forward and power forward, the Pacers will pick up, and how to effectively use a $32 million cap space, and who will no longer be a Pacer? So DJ got a three-part question in here, Fachi, because, you know, DJ just, he's excited about what the Pacers can do. Yeah, a good old three-parter. Look, realistic free agent names, the name you heard, like a broken record, Harrison Barnes. I think Grant Williams could very well be in the cards. Rui Hachimura, who they had interest in in the past. And P.J. Washington just feels like, I don't know, just feels like someone the Pacers take a look at. I think the Pacers will have interest in Cam Johnson, but I don't think in the end they're the one that walks away with him. Uh, I think trade's probably where the Pacers look. That's where they've done in the past. And then this is the yearly. Gordon Hayward's out there. He's finally (laughs) expiring. Uh, You know, look, at this point, he, he is expiring. I don't think it would take that much. Uh, compared to, like, I don't know if Atlanta's going to budge on DeAndre Hunter. Um, You know, I don't think the Pacers are going to be able to get OG off of Toronto yet. It feels like they're getting too greedy. There's a guy like Obi Toppin who it feels like that marriage with the Knicks is dying in front of our eyes, but you trade for Obi Toppin, he's going to be due a new contract. You just drafted Jarris Walker. If you sign Obi to a solid deal, then all of a sudden it complicates a lot of things. So that's that's kind of the names that I think are realistic. All right, Fachi. So I went ahead and broke mine down based on right. uh, based on trades and, and free agents. So free agents going to go off the power five we've been talking about. Harrison Barnes, Kyle Kuzma, Grant Williams, P.J. Washington, Cam Johnson. Um, I'm just saying them fast because you've already heard me say them. Yep. Trades, some of the names you already mentioned. DeAndre Hunter, Obi Toppin, OG Ananobi. Some names you didn't mention. Tobias Harris was the name that we uh, looked at already. Uh, has been linked to him. Dorian Finney-Smith is a name that I've brought up before. Jonathan Kaminga, and then another one that I brought up on our, you know, pre-draft podcast that we did where we talked about different trades, maybe like trade back into the lottery or trade back out of seven, whatever. I'm going Trey Murphy the third. I'm trying my best from the Pacers to see if I can get my hands on him because I think he would be a terrific fit with this team. And we know the Pelicans, they just got a ton of players on their roster. So if there's some way I could sneak him out of New Orleans and – Whatever we got to do to get him, I think it would be worth the risk. I think he's going to have that big of a high upside. So that's where I went with that. I said, I think there's a significant chance that one of, if not all of Duarte, Buddy, or Tice are on the move this summer. 
And then he also said, what should we do with that 30, uh, $32 million in cap space? I said, one, you got to find depth of the four. Two, if they make the right trade, they could use the cap space to renegotiate and extend like they did with Miles last year. So if they made a trade for OG and Anobi and kept that 30 some million dollars in cap space there, then they could go and maybe try to renegotiate and extend OG and Anobi. I know he's got that uh, player option, but they could be able to figure that out where they sign him to a that $30 million, whatever, this year, and then it decreases, and that could help the Pacers moving forward. But at the end of the day, I said maybe they take on a contract as a third team and pick up assets along the way with that cap space. I think that's not out of the realm of possibilities because stockpiling assets, you might not get the player you want in the offseason, but the trade deadline, having all those assets might be a little bit more enticing. Exactly. I mean, I had, I had some people tweet at me like, well, yeah, the problem is we've got to use those. It's like, Guys, guys, let's let's be patient here. We saw what Cleveland did, bringing being able to bring in a Donovan Mitchell, or we've seen other teams just be able to pull off those deals. It takes the right player becoming available at the right time and having more, more to offer than other teams. And I think the Pacers have really only kind of started to do this like last season when they traded Karis LeVert to Cleveland. I feel like it was the first time that you know they got pick thirty one, they they got the Cavs future pick, and then it didn't. You know, it, it ended up being lottery protected. So that kind of set them back a little bit in terms of an asset. And they're starting to do that now. So I, I like your list. Hey, Trey Murphy III, someone who obviously you've been bringing up lately. And, you know, it's starting to starting to grow on me a bit. Um, but, yeah, those are the type of players that you want to catch those young guys that are still continuously getting better rather than just throwing too much money at a guy that's going to be on the downside of his mm-hmm. career. That's why I just when I brought up, a hey, if they do look at a Gordon Hayward, that's a one-year rental. Yeah, if that makes where, sense. And maybe you yeah. get an asset back from it. You know, you you might. I mean, at that point, it's like thirty-two million dollars coming off of uh, Charlotte's books as they're looking up. I don't know. Maybe bring back Miles Bridges. I don't know. What we've heard rumblings of that. Maybe they look to sign someone else. I don't know. But it could be a situation where, compared to years past, where you're taking on this big contract or any other picks, this time they're probably willing to almost give them away. I mean, Gordon Hayward could be very similar to what we talked about with Marcus Morris, right? Like that kind yeah. of one-year rental that kind of like leads away. And then he's from Indiana. He wanted to come here a couple of years ago. Well, want to give he, a discount. Well, he could probably easily take a hometown discount in the latter <laughs> part of point, his career. Yeah. I'm just saying, and maybe be kind of like a backup four as you let Jarris start. Or maybe he plays a three because he's a nice secondary playmaker. You move Nimar to the bench. Like, I don't think the Gordon Hayward idea is as bad as people think, but you're not giving up anything worth of value to get him probably. You're looking at maybe maybe like buddy healed for him straight up i don't know um but yeah that's one of those things so um uh, other than that i'm ready to move on to the next question fachi uh i think it's question 15 it is matthew peck hey hope you're doing well he said on a scale of one to ten how concerned are you that unless we make a move this summer we will go into next year undersized in the front court walker is only about one and a half inches taller than neesmith Sorry, I had my mute button on there. Um, <laughs> no, I think this is a uh, an interesting question. Uh, but here's what I said. If they don't address the four position, then that's a concern. I think last year we were good enough with Neesmith at the four playing spot minutes. But we will be okay, especially adding Walker to the mix. That helps the depth. And the war can also play the four, seeing he is six foot eight. But that's not a talented enough group to improve the overall defense and rebounding. So, yeah, you're gonna you're going to need to address that. But I think that they can still band-aid it for now if they need to. Yeah, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a little concerned. Uh, look, 
I love Jairus Walker. I, I do wish he could have been a little bit taller. Depending on where you check, he's either 6'7 or 6'8. But Jordan Noir, also 6'8, but doesn't really play big. He's not going to be someone who's going to be pulling down like eight rebounds a game or anything of that sort. Probably going to get about five out of him. And that leaves just Isaiah Jackson, Jalen Smith, and Miles Turner as the only three players that are above six foot nine on this team. And let's be honest, Jalen Smith's not really playing so big. Isaiah Jackson hasn't been as great of a rebounder as we hoped for. And I was looking into it on Turner. Look, I know he had a career-high rebounding last year, not not by that much, but for the last seven years, he's averaged between 6.4 rebounds and 7.5 rebounds. So on average, he's a seven-rebound guy. Mm-hmm. I just feel like the Pacers need to bring someone with a little bit of size uh, that's why I kind of hope you do have that opportunity to move Tice, who actually is only six foot eight. You, know, he, you would think he'd be a little bit bigger, but he's actually not. Um, so, I mean, when I was looking, I was like six foot eight, man, well, at least six nine. But, you know, so look, the Pacers oh. could use some extra height. I think Jarris Walker will uh, improve this team on the rebounding down the line but we can't just ask him to come in here and just be you know pulling 10 boards a game oh man that's so funny i mean i had people saying oh did you see how much uh closer in height ben shepherd and jairus walker look next to i know uh, and uh, i was like well you gotta realize like ben shepherd had on taller shoes too like Jairus i, I did on, see like, that flats. so the, you gotta see that the heels that ben shepherd ben shepherd had were like i think at least a solid inch taller than uh jairus walker's flats <laughs> I, I quit worrying about height everybody it's so overrated like Draymond six seven and he's been able to guard fives. Okay, like yep. if you're big and you know how to position yourself, like you can figure it out. Like yeah, you got to have size, no doubt about it. You want to get better rebounding. I think Jairus Walker is going to help address the rebounding issues. Um, but yeah, I mean, I he may start. I mean, we may be completely wrong, Fachi. Uh, but based on what we've seen from Carlisle in the past, it's like he likes rookies uh, more with the Pacers than he ever has before. But he likes them coming off the bench and kind of earning their minutes and. The defense is what gets these rookies more playing time. Like Matherin's just special talent to put the ball in the basket. Like, yeah, you can't deny that. So, like, Carlisle had to continue to, like, kind of ride the second unit through him. He said, we're going to do his best for our team. And I think that's what the, that's what they're going to do with Jairus. So, you know, I think, yeah, you got to add more depth there positionally. You got to get better rebounding. Miles, um, he's just – he's been in a weird situation where he played with Domas, so Domas kind of maintained the glass while he was protecting the rim. But – you know, that's just kind of his job. It's to be that rim protector, and that might take away some of his rebounds. So, you know, he might not always be a double-double machine, but one day maybe he'll get to eight. That'd be nice. But uh, I'm not crossing my fingers after I thought he'd be a double-double machine last year. I know. I, I remember when he said that. Look, I didn't mean to laugh on air, but I was just like, it was whoa, a 10 boards take. for Turner. I know. No, it was, and that's fine. It was a that, bold prediction for all of them. We so. did. We did. And it was more than fine. And look, to, to your credit, Turner started out through halfway through the year, like looking like a much better rebounder. He was like at one point averaging like nine boards a game. You know, it was like in that eight and a half to nine. And then it kind of mm-hmm. came down. And then it was just a little sad to see like the 7.5 ended up being kind of like, I think last year he averaged like 7.4, but like the previous yeah. year. So it was like, oh man. But he started out hot. I do think that he could continue to grow in that, maybe push eight rebounds per game. But even then, that's only half a rebound more per game. For sure. All right, let's move to question 16. Bryson Sipples, he said, what do you guys think is going to happen to Duarte? He had a really good rookie campaign after he's dealt uh, with injuries, and it doesn't seem like he's a part of the bigger picture. Hmm. You know, I, I truly do think that Duarte will be dealt. Look, I, I just don't think they could deal him straight up. 
he doesn't have that value at this moment, and he doesn't make enough money to bring back anything of significance. Punting on Dorte for like another second round pick is, is not the answer. Uh, after bringing in Ben Shepard, not moving, you know, any other guard or small forward up this roster, it just feels so congested at this time that I don't know how Dorte is going to be able to carve out, say, 15 plus minutes a night, something for him to be able to up his value. I mentioned the previous episode, we can't just start him just to trade him. This isn't like a science experiment or something. We're trying to win games here. So, I don't think that they could force him in a deal because it's it's not going to make sense. You have to include him in a deal as a piece to sweeten that trade. It's, it's a sad fall from his rookie year, which was really promising. I will say this. Picks 11, 12, and 13 in the 2021 draft, pretty disappointing. Yes. 11, Hornets, James Booknight. 12, Spurs, Josh Primo. Pacers, Chris Duarte. Sandwiched in between those three picks. At 10, you had Zaire Williams. We were really excited about his potential. Have yet to really see that with the Grizzlies. Yep. And then at 14, we don't have to remind me, it was Moses Moody for the Warriors. (laughs) So that sucks. Uh, At 15, you had Corey Kispert. 16, you had Alperin Sengun. And then at 17, there he was, Trey Murphy. You could have just taken him and not taken Duarte. I mean, Trey Murphy shot threes too. Duarte, you know, 24 years old on draft night. Trey Murphy, the complete opposite. So, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, he's either going to get traded or they're going to bring him back and try to get him minutes as the backup two or the three to get his value up and then probably try to punt him. Uh, punt him, it sounds terrible, to trade him again. Or if he really steps up and proves he's like, okay, like a legitimate backup guy, then you just keep him. I mean... There's yeah. no reason that you have to give up on him. It's only year three. So I just think that at this point, there is a log jam there with what they want to do. So feels like he's on the outside looking in. They have so many good guards ahead of him and they just drafted another one. So I don't know. I, I feel like Duarte's value is low, but you're right. It's probably not going to get you much back in return, but I don't think he's as bad as people think. I just wonder maybe about the injury concerns. He has had quite a few injuries. He really has. They're starting to add up between the toe, the shoulder, the ankle. It's just he's missed time. And, you know, obviously he is a little bit of an older player for a guy coming off of year two. But when when it was working well, his rookie year, he did look really good. He looked like a really good three-point shooter. He was a solid defensive player. One of those players that you mentioned who I really did not want in the draft but actually looks pretty solid now. Corey Kispert honestly shot 42.5% from three last year. For Washington, I think he's locked into being a role player, but he actually shot a hair under 50% from the field last year. Um, so that that's interesting. And that was another guy who had, you know, been around the block in college. So him and Dorte were very similar in age. But now moving forward, it was like Dorte's coming off of, a, I think, the worst case scenario of a sophomore year that you could have imagined, where now I just feel like I hope that his confidence isn't low, but I also feel like the fan, the confidence from the fan base is really low in him. And for the front office, that's a whole other thing. So hopefully he can be able to get it together and it would be nice for him to work out in Indiana. No, we don't have to trade him, but it also kind of hurts to see him just kind of, you know, rotten at the end of the bench. Mm-hmm. No, there's no doubt about that. So you don't want to give up on guys too early because we always hear about the sophomore slumps, but you know, you just you're so intrigued by so many other options that you have. It just feels like the writing's on the wall. But uh, let's move it on here, uh, Fachi, number seventeen. All right, simply known as just Brad said, "Will the Pacers consolidate some players and try to improve somewhere? If so, who goes 
And what may a rotation look like? If not, what may that rotation look like? Seems like a good young or player or three that need time on the court, maybe waiting on injuries for a chance. There's nothing wrong with just a guy's name being Brad, first of all. So yeah, I apologize, yeah. just Brad, you know. Sorry, Brad. No, I uh, I think this is a great question, Brad, and it made me really think about it. So I said, I think the following players are strongly in play to be elsewhere. Hill, Duarte, and Tice, and I think one of Jackson or Smith could be on the move, and maybe Jordan Wara, since he's an expiring contract. So here's the rotation if Tice and one of Buddy or Duarte are gone. Your starting five is Halliburton, Nimhard, Matherin, a new power forward that you acquired, and Miles Turner. Your backup is McConnell, Heald, Neesmith, Jairus Walker, and Jalen Smith. Then your third string is, I think they bring George Hill back. Um, I think you're looking at probably Ben Shepard. Um, I said you maybe bring back a new small forward or you, re, you maybe somehow you re-sign O'Shea, let him be that third string small forward. Uh, Jordan Mora, and then Isaiah Jackson. So that would be the rotation if two of those three are traded. But I think if the roster stays the same, here is how I envision it looking. Uh, Halliburton, Nimhard, Matherin, Neesmith, Miles as your starters, as your second unit, McConnell, Hield, Duarte, Jairus Walker, Jalen Smith, and then as your third string, George Hill, Ben Shepard, Jordan Mora, and then at the four you don't have any more, you have two more centers on Isaiah Jackson and Daniel Tice. So that's kind of how I see the roster if they don't make any more moves. But uh, the only other move that that would really entail right there is they bring George Hill back as that 15th guy. But no, I definitely think that the rotation I gave you with one of Tice and uh, with Tice and one of Buddy or uh, Duarte gone kind of makes the most sense to me. Yeah, no, that's that's pretty much what I have. I mean, look, at this point, they have to consolidate. Otherwise, we have roughly $32 million in cash space with one open roster spot. Like last year, the Pacers didn't spend – yeah, they were they were solidly beneath the floor until they did that um that crafty extension with Miles Turner. I don't know if they're really going to be doing that again this year. So I feel like they're going to want to spend some money, and this is the time to do it. Take that step forward. Uh, I talked about Duarte's value; it's just not high enough for trade him alone. Tice, I don't really think you could do that either. But it, it, I do think you look to move those two players, if not Buddy. I imagine the starters are Halliburton, Nemhard, Math a new power forward addition or someone other than Jarris Walker and Turner backups. You got McConnell, Buddy, Neesmith, Jarris, and then, you know, you're, you're you know, Jordan Wara, Jalen Smith. Those are that, those secondary options. At that point, I have Ben Shepard, Isaiah Jackson. They're kind of the odd man's out. And then if Duarte and Tice are still on the team, they're in that same type of category. Obviously you still need to sign a 15th man, but I think we pretty much have similar stuff. Uh, I think in some situations you had, what, Neesmith starting at the four, was it? Yeah, I had him starting at the four if they don't bring anybody else in and having Jairus back him up. I think that makes so, a lot of sense to me. So basically that's what I would have if they don't bring in anyone. I just slotted in new power forward addition. Like, I just assume they I go after someone. Yep. It, that's so, if they made a roster. But basically they traded Tice and or one of Buddy and Duarte. I said new power forward yep. at that four spot, which whoever it is, that's what I think is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Couldn't agree more. All right. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go on. Question 18. This one comes from Architect X22. It was an odd second round uh, draft. First round draft was great. As we still need forwards and drafted small guards. Why didn't the Pacers take a risk on a forward? Any forward? I had a little bit of a lengthy answer here. Apparently the Pacers were having a tough time convincing prospects such as like a Trace Jackson Davis to take a two-way deal instead of a guaranteed roster spot. Uh, they had 12 players under contract prior to Jarris Walker and Ben Shepard. So that leave them being able to sign one free agent. So whoever they were going to draft in the second round was likely going to be a two-way guy. Seems like Mojave King is actually going to be a stash and not coming over instead of being on a two-way deal. So that leaves Isaiah Wong, who they picked at pick 55 as a two-way and like an emergency point guard type of situation. And then I actually really like the pickup of Oscar Shibwe on a two-way oh, deal. Oh, yeah, I do. Um, I got to make that known. But look, I'm with you. I would have loved to have seen them trade up for a Leonard Miller. Probably would have cost too much going from like 47 to 32. But at the same point, that's probably something that then you need to make another move and figure out because you're not having Leonard Miller on a two-way at pick 32. I I don't think so. And then Gigi Jackson went two spots ahead at pick 55. That's where I feel like. 45, 45. That's what I meant. 45. That's where I feel like when you were at 47, why not strap a second round pick with 47, move up, take Gigi at 45. Um, yeah, and then I would have I would have even preferred the upside of Imani Bates on a two-way deal at pick 45, who we passed on. Keontae Johnson out of Kansas State was a beast. He fell to pick 50. Yep. Then if you're looking for, a, I believe, a draft and stash, I might pronounce the last name wrong, but Tristan Vuk- Vuks- ah, I can't even get it out. Vuskovic. Yeah, that could have been a very much a stash. Ran repair, City Sissoko. Those are guys that went in the early 40s that very well could be on two way deals. I assume that I feel probably have a bit more higher upside. But you know what? This is just how the cookie crumbled. 
I mean, do they? Do you really think Mojave King would not have been there at 55? Dude, he definitely would have been there at 55. I'm still a little puzzled. Even if he's not, just sell the pick. Like, I, I completely agree, though. I, like, I honestly... Like, Golden State clearly bought 57 to get Trace. They could have bought 55. Yep. You, you know, you move up from whatever we had, 47, and mm-hmm. get something else to go get Gigi Jackson. Uh, Keontae Johnson would have been a great pickup at 47 yeah. to have some size there. I mean, sure, maybe you don't bring an Oscar Shibway, but, like, come on. Like, yeah, exactly. But, yeah, so, I mean, Mojave King, drafting stash, you know, shout out. I Pacers block for putting that on Twitter. Uh, had a source that told him that uh, Jonathan Gavoni also backed that up in the ESPN Plus article of the of the post draft. So that was good to kind of see two sources there on that. And then you know he's going to play in the NBL, so instead of coming up to the NBA, he's going to develop overseas. So that kind of helps the Pacers there. Um, the Trace Jackson Davis stuff, you know, we talked about it at length last episode. I don't want to overemphasize what we talked about, but you know, before we did the mailbag, we talked about this on Friday. And basically, his camp was calling teams and saying, unless you can guarantee me a roster spot, don't don't draft me if you're going to put me on a two-way deal because I'll go overseas and play because I can make more money. And he felt like he deserved to be an NBA player on an NBA roster. And I completely agree. The fact that he fell the way that he did is just stupid to me. So I think you're going to look back and be like, man, I can't believe he went 57th. I think he's I know it sounds crazy to say that about a guy, but I really do think like he's one of those guys that could have been like an undrafted free agent that you talk about, like, man, he was a good role player for this team and people didn't really value him that much. You know, a guy and like, you know, you like Muhammad Gay, you did an interview with him, super nice guy, yep. but like he was mocked in like the 55 range and all of a sudden he jumped to like 39 or something like that. Mm-hmm. The Oxen did have taken him. So I think sometimes we just over analyze things. And I think that Trace was such a good player in college. He'd have been awesome in the league, but yeah, you know, you're right. With with them getting Shibway, uh, making Mojave King a draft and stash, and then Kendall Brown. I mean, he was a guy that they put on a two-way last year. He was drafted 47th overall. He battled injuries all season long. He's probably going to come back on a two-way deal. I'm just speculating, not reporting. Um, so if you look at the two-way contracts there, you have three of them. You kind of need a guard, and that's why Isaiah Wong might make some sense. You got a guard in Isaiah Wong. You got a power forward center and Oscar Shibway, and then you got another small forward power forward and Kendall Brown. So maybe that's why they decided to go that guard route at 55 um, because they liked Isaiah Wong and he maybe made some sense to put on a two-way contract later. He's still yet to sign that, obviously. That could go another route, but I think that he's a good player. I loved him at Miami. He was a winner. I know that Mavs draft was very high on him as well. So yeah, I, I think that that made sense to me in my head when I saw the three players that are likely to sign the two-way deals. That's why they went that route. Yeah, man. I, I just feel like, you know, I Pacers blog put out a great article about the Pacers history with draft and stashes. And just typically in general, they don't really work out. I mean, if there's like a really promising player that's got a buyout like Ricky Rubio had, that's different because Rubio was picked like fifth overall uh, back then. But it's just like, I don't think the Pacers are probably ever going to see Mojave King in a Pacers uniform. Obviously, much crazier things could happen. Maybe he ends up getting traded as an asset if he continues. Yes, that's what I'm saying. He's going to look, maybe, and hopefully he develops in the NBL, and then he probably gets included in a deal, like most of the time what happens with draft and stash players. But there was some good talent out there. 
Uh, you know what? I, I would like to think that pick 45 could have very well been available if we're offering 47 and a second round pick, but clearly the Pacers want to hold on to their assets. And now we just got to wait. But as it relates to Isaiah Wong, look, I, I do like that pick at 55. So, you know, let's just wait and see on him. All right. Question 19. Are you ready? Troy Chandler. He said, if you had your pick of Cam Johnson, Kyle Kuzma or Harrison Barnes, who would you take? Yeah, honestly, Cameron Johnson fits the age and more to this team, but I think Barnes is a shorter two-year deal makes the most sense in my head. Talked about a play with Tyrese and Buddy, played under Rick, can help set the tone and instantly raises our floor at the four. He can also play the three if Walker wants to play some with him at the four. Really good defender, shot over 37% uh, from three since 2019. I said that in part one. I just, I'm just going back to it. I'm putting all the pieces together. He fits. I like Harrison Barnes the best out of these three because I feel like you're going to have to overpay for Cam Johnson on like a four-year deal. Same with Kyle Kuzma. I, I don't want to be tied up to them for that long. I would want to have a shorter deal, Harrison Barnes, on a two-year contract. It matches Miles' two-year extension that he just signed. And then both those guys will be free agents, and you can figure out what to do moving forward with those two guys. Um, and that's where I'm at with this whole thing. Yeah, same exact type of thing. Two-year veteran for Harrison Barnes would be Perfect for this team. I don't want to tie up long-term money because then it's going to all of a sudden, like what if something happens where like Turner continues to get better. And then in two years, we're looking to re-sign him, but we still have, you know, two more years left on the contract of a, you know, Cam Johnson or Kyle Kuzma. We're not thrilled with it, but Halliburton's making the max. Matherin is due for his extension at that point. And then we're just, we're capped out. So I just feel like, this is the year to be like, you know what? We haven't seen exactly what this team is missing. Let's take it easy. Let's not go all in just yet. So uh, Harrison Barnes is my number one option. Then I'd probably say Cam Johnson because I think he'd probably end up being cheaper than Kuzma. And I also feel like Kuzma needs to be a bit more featured. Well, I feel like Cam Johnson could blend in with this team while also making this team better. I just think it'd be funny to take another player from the Kings. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, the Pacer-Kings rivalry is really getting big on social it's media. Brewing. So, you know, bring Harrison Barnes here, him, Buddy, and Tyrese together, taking on Domas and De'Aaron Fox and Kevin Herter, like Keegan Murray. Yeah, Benedict Mather and throw him in the mix there just because, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people believe the Pacers would have taken Keegan Murray. So you got the rookie battle there. Jairus Walker can come in there and maybe shut down Keegan Murray. I think that's going to be tough to do because I think he's a good player. But – yeah, I, I just let's keep building up this rivalry. That's the main reason for doing this, Fachi. Uh Okay, let's move on. Question 20, Antoine YC, he's got two. I, I put them as two separate questions because they were two separate tweets. So he's got question 20, and then you'll read 21 from him as well. But his first question at 20 said, I see the peak of Jairus Walker like a slightly more offensive Draymond Green, a pivotal role player and possibly all defensive guy. Where do you see his peak slash ceiling? Look, the Draymond comparison, I feel like, is where most people's mind goes. We've heard that a few times. We're talking about a six foot seven defensive oriented individual playmaking capabilities. I think, you know, if we're talking about a more offensive Draymond, that's a home run right there for a guy that could be a future Hall of Famer and one of the best defensive players of this decade. Um, in terms of being a, let's see, you know, where do we see his peak or ceiling? I would love to say that he could be an all-star but given it's just a one-year sample size where he wasn't the featured guy at Houston it, it's really hard to determine so he could just be a very good you know player that contributes to winning like I've said look if he could end up being an Aaron Gordon type player that's awesome a guy who is that third or fourth option 
bringing the defensive capabilities, locking down, you know, you know, big time scoring options uh, on, on the opposing team. That would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Tell you over here if I'm wrong. I wonder if what if we're looking at a potentially more offensively gifted Kenyon Martin type player. Mm-hmm. Kenyon Martin was the number one overall pick built on being a tough nosed defender, real solid rebounder, rim protector. He actually had plenty of seasons where he averaged about two and a half assists per game. And back then that was real good for a power forward center. Walker's light years ahead of him from a three-point shooting jump shot perspective. So I do think he's a better offensive player, but Kenyon Martin was no slouch in his day. That's an interesting name. Um, yeah, when I think of Draymond Green, I don't think of someone as athletic as Jairus. Yeah. So that's why when we've talked about these two guys, you just mentioned Aaron Gordon. I I actually think that he has a lot of the high basketball IQ and the feel for the game that a Draymond has. Um I don't know if he's as elite of a passer as Draymond, but yeah, I don't see him averaging seven assists per yeah, game or anything like that. I honestly think that the ceiling for him is a combination of both of those guys. So a combination of Aaron Gordon with Draymond Green, like that to me is his ceiling. And that's not a bad thing. Like every single person you heard talk about this draft, they said this guy is ready to play right now. Uh he's got a chiseled body, 240, 250 pounds, six foot eight, seven foot two wingspan, you know. Kelvin Sampson requires him to play defense. I think that, you know, this is a guy that can come in and be impactful right away. Jay Billis, when they ask about most impactful players, uh, the first name he mentioned was Jairus Walker. So that to me is like, okay. Uh, I, I definitely think like, you know, Aaron Gordon, I what was he picked overall? Fourth, second, somewhere around Fourth. There? Fourth? Fourth. Okay. And Draymond was 35. So, you know, Draymond was slept on a little bit because he was an undersized big that couldn't shoot. But that tried playing him at small forward for so long and he was actually a power forward. So personally for me, I, I like both comps, but I think a combination of both is probably the most accurate, but those are both really good players. So, you know, Jarris is going to have to live up to that hype a little bit, but they did ask for the ceiling. So that's what I'm going to, that's what I'm going to give. Hey, I think that's fair. And, you know, I, I feel like everybody's looking for that next Draymond Green and they're pretty rare, but also Draymond, you know, four years at Michigan state, he came out a little bit more ready. Even his rookie year, if you look at it, he wasn't really playing that much, wasn't really producing a lot, and he came along. Jarris Walker, I think, is uh, far more gifted early on, but we got to see what's what's after that. You know, he needs to continuously develop. So this year, it's not going to be realistic to just say, like, you know, I thought this guy's supposed to be, you know, an absolute stud defensively. Like, he has all those capabilities, but we got to give him time. Absolutely. Let's keep it moving here. We got two more questions. Question 21. All right, Antoine YC with the the two-parter, this is the second part. He said, do you think with the Ben Shepard pick, we lost out on who we wanted and it was more impulsive? Or was he always going to be the second pick? If the latter, do you think it's a surefire sign that more guards than just Duarte are going to be moved? Okay, this is just my personal opinion. I have no inside sources. I'm just saying I believe Ben was a target of theirs. But I think if Olivier Maxson's prosper was there, it would have been a tougher decision, but based on how much Rick loves shooters, I think Ben Shepard was for sure the guy they wanted at 26, especially once Prosper is off the board. So uh, they probably didn't feel like they needed to trade up for Prosper. Like they probably had them in like the same tier. So it was kind of like, okay, you know, if they're both there, I, I think Prosper would have made more sense as like a, another four. They could have added to the mix. A guy that could play the three or the four 
and, and figure that out. But, you know, Ben's a guy that is a good defender and can shoot lights out. But um, in terms of Chris Duarte, I'll just put it this way. I think Duarte was on the outside looking in before the pick was even made. So uh, even if they would have taken another forward here, I still don't think that that would have solidified Duarte being a part of this roster long-term. I don't know how you feel, Fachi, but that's where I'm at. No, I completely agree with that second part about Duarte. It's just like the the type of season that he had, it was just such like a bad luck after bad luck and injury, and then just like finding it real tough to get him in the rotation consistently that even if they had gone with another player, I still do think they would look to be like, you know what, let's do right by him. Let's move him, give him an opportunity elsewhere and address other needs or, or accumulate more assets. But as it relates to if this pick was planned or not, we heard Chad Buchanan say, you know, at the, at the press conference recently that the Pacers scouts had their eyes on Shepard dating back to his freshman year, which I thought was wild to hear. Then they had a ton of interest in him uh, his junior year right after that. So he kind of feels like he was their man crush. Uh, and then also, like I mentioned, he killed it at the combine, which is probably the clincher, dropping 25 points on 8 of 10 shooting. But now you're looking at Buddy in the contract year, needing to either accept a new role, definitely off the bench, uncertainty around Duarte. I feel like this pick made a lot of sense. I do think that Shepard is probably going to be a top three shooter in this draft. And I think that moving forward is someone that you feel really good about, that it's not a fluke from three-point land. Like Duarte was a real good three-point shooter his rookie year, about 37%. It fell off a cliff last year. I feel like Ben Shepard is a sure thing from three-point land. Obviously, any rookie is going to have their struggles. But overall, I just feel like Guys need to be moved. I think also the Pacers probably would have said, no matter who they drafted, that they had their eyes on this guy for a long time. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But it sounds like they were very intrigued with him for quite some time. Totally agree. We're going to go to our last question now here, Fachi, from Destin Adams. Covers the Colts, does a great job doing that. Uh, Part of their Sports Illustrated fan page, uh, Fan Nation. So check that out. But he said, following the draft, what would your next moves be via trade? free agency we need more at the power forward spot need it any combination of say jarris walker jordan war aaron neesmith perhaps playing out of position just doesn't feel like it's enough to say we feel real good about the four spot like jordan war is only under contract for this year neesmith are we going to extend him i don't know maybe it was last year just a fluke or could he continue to build on this they experimented with jalen smith at the four and it was not great that's one way to put it uh, but bring in a more experienced four. If it happens to also be a veteran, that is that is such a bonus because look what James Johnson did for this team last year, despite barely even playing. I don't think that the Pacers all of a sudden now don't need a veteran. They do. Whether if you're going to bring back George Hill, that's great. But you got to send out a few players first if you're at least two of them if you're going to bring in George Hill because you still need whoever to come in to contribute to winning. So I think the Pacers would rather fill up this roster via trade. It's what they've always done in the past. Uh, it, it could provide some financial flexibility compared to dishing out a four-year expensive contract. They could make a trade for someone like you mentioned before, a Marcus Morris on a one-year rental, uh, someone else that has one year or two years left on the deal that fits the timeline instead of just kind of disrupting everything this offseason. Yeah, so Destin, I, I just said I'd be trying very hard to acquire OG and Anobi, you know, using their picks and their extra pick that they traded for as well as young players to acquire him. Um, that'd be what's best for the team. You consolidate by doing all of that. You get a guy that you feel like can be a part of this group long-term. He can play the three or the four. That way when Jairus is ready, you can slot him next to OG. 
at the four. Let Jared, uh, let uh, OG play the three. Benedict can play the two. And I feel like you got enough defense there in that front court that hopefully Ben improves that you don't feel like you have to have Nimhard out there, which, you know, Nimhard is a deserving player, but I think he's more of a, of a six-man kind of guy than he is probably a long-term starter uh, with this group. I think if he was traded, he could be a starting point guard for a team. But I, I really do like that idea. But um, I'd also look very strong into acquiring assets for Daniel Tice and Buddy Heald even if they're minimal. I, I know Buddy has much more value than Tice, but they're both veterans that can help a team that's in need of depth. So maybe take on a med contract for both and pick up another first. I mean, that's how you kind of have to do business in today's NBA, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Like, yeah, it, it's not like you want to just trade these guys for nothing, but you, you want to get something for them. And if they're both going to be off the roster by next year, might as well trade them while they at least have some value, whether it's high or low, I don't know. But I definitely think Buddy's got higher value. And then lastly... Um, I'm just going to keep sounding like a broken record until it happens or it doesn't happen. But I just, I just believe in Harrison Barnes, man. I, I just think he's the most logical player to go after. It, it's not a sexy move whatsoever, Fachi. I totally get that, but it's a very smart move and, and it continues to leave this team with optionality moving forward. So that's how I feel about it. I, I think that it makes the most sense overall, but that's where I'm at. I just, I love the idea of getting him here on a short-term deal, pairing him with this group. I, it just, it seems seamless, but if they can get OG before all that, then just nix everything I've said about Harrison Barnes and, and go get OG in an OB. Of course, look, that changes everything. I just feel like I want to give the front office credit because they keep saying things like, hey, it takes two teams to tango. And I feel like they did revisit that. And I just feel like Toronto, for whatever reason, it's probably asking for too much. We were expected Toronto to kind of blow it up a little bit, but it, it's just, it hasn't happened yet. Maybe at some point they make that decision, but if the Pacers can't get OG, just like you mentioned, Harrison Barnes just fits in for like that cheap rental or cheaper rental that won't jeopardize all of our assets. Because look, say the Pacers do land OG. Yes, there's he could resign, but it's never a guarantee. You don't want to stockpile all these assets for just one year. So stay the course, keep building, keep moving forward. There is no scenario where the Pacers win the NBA Finals next year, but there are ways for them to take steps forward. And for that, we all got to be excited about it. Absolutely. And we do know this, that I believe Gary, Gary Trent Jr. did opt into his final he year did. of his contract with the Raptors. They just signed Grady Dick, uh, or they drafted Grady Dick. I keep saying sign, but they, they signed their draft picks, whatever. Um, we haven't seen him sign his deal officially, but you know, Grady Dick's on the way to Toronto and his uh, you know, Dorothy Red Slipper suit jacket that he had on looking that was something. Uh looking like Elton John, you know. I I enjoy the charisma from Grady Dick. It's fun to just kind of get to hear him talking. Yeah, he's got a pretty good Donald Duck impersonation too. So it was good. I'll give him credit for that. Yeah, you wasn't expecting that. Credit. You gotta give him credit. But with that being said, Fachi, this is a Pacers podcast. We're done talking about the Raptors. We got a good squad here, we had a good draft overall. Um, I, I think the, the moves they made made sense. I, I think it all kind of being put out there and kind of letting you know why certain things went a certain way, like the draft and stash and Mojave King and, you know, Trace Jackson Davis being someone they passed on because this camp kind of asked for it. You know, I'll just apologize for maybe overreacting a couple episodes ago about that. But, you know, I, I'm just going off of my opinion on things and I kind of was sniffing something like, okay, this seems like it's kind of a setup. I don't really know if I agree with it, but you know, if there's reporting out there, we've heard it from the GM. Okay, two or three different people are saying the same thing. It could be the same source, whatever. But 
I'll, I'll let it die. I'm not that upset about it. I'm happy with the players we got. I wouldn't have taken Trace at 26 over Ben Shepard if that makes you feel any better. No. Nope. So that's all I'm saying. I I decided 47. Yeah, it's a good that's a good pick. But um, with that being said, Fachi, go ahead and let people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely, you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F A C C I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at Set the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Set the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to youtube.com slash setting the pace of Pacers podcast where you can find all of our video content there. Be on the lookout for content dropping this week from the last week with the draft and stuff like that. But with that being said, Faji, if you're excited that the Pacers have $32 million in cap space, projected uh, $32 million in cap space, and they've got a lot of optionality moving forward, then hit me with those three words. Let's go, Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.